Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to June's podcast series on one month to better investigations and internal reportings. So what do you do when the call, the email, or the personal tip comes into your office where an employee reports suspicious activity somewhere literally across the globe? That activity might well turn into a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act issue for your company. In today's climate, it can turn into issues under lots of different anti-corruption jurisdictions. The Brazilian Clean Companies Act, the UK Bribery Act, or even domestic anti-corruption laws such as brought GSK to bear in China. As the Chief Compliance Officer, it will be up to you to begin the process which will determine in many instances how your company will respond going forward and will set the tone throughout this most difficult period. This month's podcast series will provide to you all the steps you need to consider going forward. I'm going to take a look at independent versus in-house investigations, investigation protocols, the different resources that a compliance practitioner may bring to bear in an investigation, such as internal audit, IT, and legal. And I'll take a look at special issues such as privilege, Upjohn and Miranda warnings, data privacy, and of course, the Yates memo and its effect. I think you will learn a lot this month if you follow this podcast series. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to the June podcast series. Day 13, the Yates Memo and Internal Investigations. When then-Assistant Attorney General Sally Yates announced the memo that bears her name, she said the following, We have revised our policy guidance to require that if a company wants any credit for cooperation, any credit at all, it must identify all individuals involved in the wrongdoing, regardless of their position, status, or seniority in the company, and provide all relevant facts about their misconduct. It's all or nothing. No more picking and choosing what gets disclosed. No more partial credit for cooperation that doesn't include information about individuals. This statement ties directly into the first point of the Yates Memo, which stated, To be eligible for any cooperation credit, companies must provide to the Department all relevant facts about individuals involved in corporate misconduct. And I would note that the word any was double-scored, underlined, bold, and in italics. The Yates Memo and Yates Remarks indicated a transition to a new era of FCPA enforcement. The Yates Memo required that the Department of Justice and SEC investigate individuals immediately at the start of investigations. She stated, The Department instructed its attorneys that going forward, they were to focus on individuals from the start of an investigation, regardless of whether the investigation begins civilly or criminally. Moreover, once a case is underway, The inquiry into individual misconduct can and should proceed in tandem with the broader corporate investigation. Delays in the corporate case will no longer suffice as a reason to delay pursuit of the individuals involved. Even though those remarks were directed at government lawyers, corporations are now required to initially change the focus of their investigations from attempting to perform any type of root cause analysis to obtaining evidence against individuals and turning it over to the government as soon as possible. For the chief compliance officer or compliance practitioner, this means the entire focus of your investigative protocol must change. Previously, an investigation was to determine how the conduct might have violated the FCPA. 
then how to remedy it. The first step a CCO or compliance practitioner would take when sufficient evidence was developed would be to fix the problem so that it did not reoccur going forward. If there were a compliance program or internal controls weakness, they would be immediately fixed so that neither the original perpetrators could continue the conduct, but also so that others could not take advantage of such structural weaknesses. After the Yates memo, this was no longer the case. The DOJ expects you to bring them information about potentially culpable individuals who can be prosecuted going forward. This means employees are going to immediately stop talking to you if they are inclined to do so in the first place. It will make performing an essential root cause analysis more difficult and attendant remedy that is a part of any best practices program. I would note this is obviously inconsistent with the 2017 Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs, which in prong number one talked about root cause analysis. So it may mean that you have to really ramp up and do both in parallel. But Yates went further than simply saying the DOJ expects you to turn over your own employees. She made clear that both she and the DOJ want companies to give up senior executives involved in illegal conduct. She said, we're no... We're not going to be accepting a company's cooperation when they just offer up the vice president in charge of going to jail. Here, the difficulty is around the FCPA requirement for a criminal prosecution of intent. How do you determine intent in a manner where senior executives may have never been involved in the transaction? Does this mean insufficient tone at the top will somehow morph into intent for an FCPA prosecution? Whatever it may mean going forward, at least, <clears throat> at the very least, I think this means that high heads in an organization may very well begin to roll. And once again, if you tie it into the 2017 Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Document, uh, Corporate Compliance Programs document released by the Department of Justice, you will consider the component of not only tone at the top, but conduct at the top and measuring that conduct. The Yates memo, when read in conjunction with the Frederick Burke conviction, makes clear that senior management as well as under, uh, other individuals are now directly in the DOJ's sites to prosecute for FCPA violations. This means that even if lower-level employees are engaged in conduct which senior management did not know about or told them not to engage in, senior management may be deemed by the Department of Justice to have engaged in conscious indifference by not engaging in ongoing monitoring as part of a best practices compliance program. Companies must monitor transactions to detect and prevent violation. With the Yates memo now effective, the effective policy of the Department of Justice, senior management who do not actively monitor their organizations may subject themselves to personal FCPA criminal liability. Given the scrutiny of the Standard Bank, Standard Chartered Bank Deferred Prosecution Agreement in the United Kingdom, I think it may, be, <clears throat> may well be the time where enforcement authorities begin to look at those responsible for an activity in the violation of an anti-bribery, anti-corruption law in place. Recall that Frederick Burke was found guilty for conscious avoidance. How much of a stretch would it be for those senior managers who allowed such behavior to either be seen as the norm or indeed expected? 
If it is a criminal offense to be in charge of a den of thieves, the prosecution may only need to establish that you were in charge of it, not that you yourself were a thief, or indeed even if you were aware of it. It's no defense that you thought an organization was a monastery, where, which is broadly the argument employed by those who claim they did not know about what their subordinates maybe have been doing. After the Yates memo, the same may be true for senior management who violate the FCPA. The impact of the Yates memo is magnified by Attorney General Jeff Sessions through his remarks to the Ethics and Compliance Initiative annual conference in April 2017. He reiterated that the DOJ would focus on individual criminal misconduct in the context of enforcing the FCPA. This continued emphasis will mean that there is even more pressure on corporate compliance programs to get it right, to get it right sooner than later, and turn over all of that information to the Department of Justice. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, number one, recall the language of the Yates memo itself. If companies want any, as in double-scored, bold, italics, underlined, credit, they must investigate potentially culpable individuals first and turn that information over to the Department of Justice. Number two, companies, <clears throat> this new approach may require companies to more thoroughly investigate the issue of conscious indifference and to see what management uh, steps management actually took under uh, a best practices compliance program. If you tie it into the 2017 evaluation of corporate compliance programs, you'll once again recall that it's not simply tone at the top, but the conduct of senior management and how have you uh, analyzed, uh, documented, and um, considered that conduct going forward. And finally, number three, never forget that conscious avoidance or conscious indifference is specifically prohibited under the FCPA. So putting your head in the sand is not going to be a defense. This is Tom Fox. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of One Month to Better Investigations and Reporting, and I hope you will join me tomorrow for day This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate the podcast as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the only one-month podcast series to a better compliance program. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to contact me. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much again for listening, and I hope you'll join me again for one month to better investigations and reporting. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.